0: Good morning. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? All right, someone thinks so. (laughs) Hey, I want to. I want to welcome someone this morning. Uh, Stacy Knapp is with us. Please stand. Stacy is our missionary to Arizona. (laughs) Uh, Stacy, she's rocking her rifle shirt this morning. (laughs) <laughs> you had that feeling. Uh, Stacy is uh, a part of our congregation, though she lives in Arizona. We, uh, we have, were able to bless her and send her as she does ministry to the, the music community and artists and is uh, part of RIFO, an organization that's geared towards ministering. She's a chaplain. She's, uh, she's a soul care guru. <laughs> uh, guru. And and just a wonderful person. Make sure to give her a hug today and love on her. And I also want to honor Ted and Linda Sagawa, her parents who are here with her as well. Uh, The Sagawas have been very close friends of ours for a long time. In fact, when Megan and I were first married, we uh, attended church with the Sagawas. We went to college with Stacy. And uh, when all of our family were living out of state, in other places, they became our adopted family, and we spent holidays with them and birthdays with them and uh, talked about cars with, with Grandpa Ted, <laughs> and uh, it's just a blessing to have you with us this morning. Well, today is Vision Sunday, and you might go and be going, well, what does that mean? You're about to find out. We're going to have a good time this morning talking about some things that are coming up. So I want to frame the morning for you because it's gonna, it is a little different uh, to, to what we usually do with our, our meeting right after service today. We're going to talk about vision for this next year first, uh, and it's going to be tied into our reading from this last week and, to, uh, and, and into the message that God's put in my heart this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the Word. We're going to talk about some practical things. We're going to end that time with uh, lunch. We're going, to gra- we're going to have pizza and salad available for you. Uh, and then we're going to come back. If, as Lisa said, if, if you're visiting with us today or if you're new to Thrive, our, our annual family meeting, you are welcome to join us. It is not a, uh, limited to certain people. You are all welcome to jump in and be a part of that. Uh, if you have kids in, in, in Thrive Kids this morning and you will not be staying uh, for the meeting, feel free to, after service, please go Get your kids, check them out, and uh, and and make you know make sure to don't just leave your kids. Please don't leave your kids and go home. Um, (laughs) If you have kids in Thrive Kids and you're going to be staying for the meeting, we're going to provide lunch for them, uh, and so they'll be taken care of, and then you can pick them up after uh, the meeting. So, all right, logistics done out of the way. We are in the midst of a series, a year-long series called God Is, and God Is is our theme for the year. That is our our focus for this year. We are pressing into and asking the question about who is God? Who is God? So often, we pick things up along the way. We learn about who God is from other people, from our parents growing up in Sunday school, from all kinds of sources, but really what we have to do in order to get an accurate picture of God is we've got to discover and have a re- revelation of who He is in our own lives. And He's given us the capacity through our, our, our reasoning capabilities, through our minds, through our emotions, through our relationships, and through the, His Holy Spirit in us to have an understanding of who He is. And so asking these questions, why do I believe what I believe about God? Is an important question to ask. Why do I believe this? And if I, I, and how do I know that what I believe is true? Have I gone through the process of checking it out? I'd made a statement a few weeks ago. I said there's, there's probably some things you believe about who God is. That's wrong. That's off base. And, and, and that's okay. God invites us to know Him more fully. There's lots of things that I believe that, that have to be corrected. Not just about God, about all kinds of things. And so we have to make those adjustments. And then to to say, and if if what I believe about God is true, how should it affect my life? Because we all understand that we can believe something, but it won't really change the way we live. And so we have to ask the question, well, then do I really believe it? If it's a value to me, is it a spoken value or is it a practiced value? And so we need to put those things into action. This is all based out of Matthew 16, where Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's Peter who speaks up, and he says that you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and Jesus says to him, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. No no human being told you this. You received a revelation from my Father in heaven. My prayer this year is we press into uh, this question, who is God? That we would receive a revelation. We are along the way uh, using a Lectio Divina journal. Uh, I forgot to grab mine. Does someone have their journal with them? Can I borrow your journal, Rosie? Um, I'm not going to read it. Um, so Ro- Rosie wrote... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, it just looks like this. It's a, it's a journal. This, we're going to have four of these this year. This one goes through April. And the, the passages for each day's reading will align with the messages that are being taught that next Sunday. And so this is a great way to press into the Word, to ask the question, who is God? And, and to start a- answering that question for yourself. If you don't have one of these yet, we have some available at the information counter outside, and uh, they're free. We'd love to just get one in your hands. Um, and I've been hearing a lot of reports back from people who are pressing into those, those, those readings and into that time with the Lord, and great, great things, great testimonies already of what God is speaking. Um, be on, if you're on social media, Instagram or Facebook especially, uh, stay tuned this week for, for Thrive Church. We're going to start posting uh, little, little verse clips from the reading for each day. And we're, what we're asking is, if you have a chance, get on there and, and maybe respond and say, hey, this is what the Lord spoke to me today, or this is what I, I learned about who God is. And we're going to make this even more interactive as we keep going through this year. Here, here's a few things that, I, that stood out to me in my reading this week. I'm just going to read a whole list of them. They might align with what you heard. They might not. And that's okay. Uh, here's what I, I, I wrote. God is exclamation point. No, no line. Just God, God is. We see in, in Exodus, God's encounter with Moses. And he says, I am who I am. That's it. God just is. God is eternal. God sees God reigns forever. God is a judge. God is a ruler. God is fair and just. God is a refuge. God is a stronghold. God is trustworthy. God never forsakes. God is worthy of praise. God is unlimited. God is unchanging. God is in control. God is beyond comprehension. God is for us. God is provider, God is defender, God is protector. And I I love this line out of the reading this week. He is my praise. I love that. It's not just that I praise Him. He is my praise. I love that. Just a few things that I got out of the reading this week. What I want to press into this morning is this idea that God is invitational, that God is invitational. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, uh, I'm going to read this passage and and, and highlight a couple of things. The notes are available on the app, by the way. You can follow those those passages or there's place in your journals as well to take notes. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says this, and now Israel, what does the Lord ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. So the Lord your God belonged to heavens and even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord sets his affection on your ancestors and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all nations as it is today. Here we have this picture of God who is extending himself to this people that he loves. He brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, and he's telling them who he is. I'm the, I'm the God who is above the highest heavens, and everything is the, under my control. And what I'm asking of you is that you would walk in obedience to me, and that you would love me. And then he says to them, I chose you the god of the heavens the creator of all things says to them i chose you and it shows us a part of his character and his nature that that same god says to us i chose you i think we have this idea when it comes to our faith it's like well i'm choosing to follow god and he's like nope i chose you first I chose you first. Now, we respond to the invitation, but he is the initiator. He is the initiator. He's the one who said, hey, I'm going to start out. I'm going to do something. I am going to invite you into a relationship with me. See, God is all about relationship. You may have heard that here before. It's all about relationship. The kingdom of God is all about relationship. Now, there's other things that go along with that, but it starts with relationship. We serve a relational God who wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to know him, to love him, to serve him, to walk with him, to be close to him. He chose you. We see this reflected in another passage we read this week in Exodus 3. The encounter with, Jesus, with Moses and, and, and God in the burning bush. It says this in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared in flame, to him in flames from a fire within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why, the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Listen to that. God called to Moses from out of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Here's Moses just tending sheep. Of course, he grew up in in Egypt. Uh, We know that story, right? Moses in in the basket, in the river, grows up in Pharaoh's home. But then, some things go sideways, he kills an Egyptian in, 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 in trying to force his way into, into his destiny, flees to, uh, to Midian, gets married there, now he's just tending sheep. And there's, there's a whole story in that where it's like, well, there was this purpose for my life, but I kind of messed it up, so now I'm just out here watching the sheep and this is, this is all there is. And God shows up in a way that is unexpected, and he invites Moses to come close. Now, of course, he says, don't come too close. Why? Because God's distant? No, it's because God's loving, and he knows if Moses gets too close, it'll cost him his life. And he's like, and I'm not done with you yet. There's some things I need for you to do. So he says, Moses, come close and then take off your sandals because the place where you are standing is holy. It's holy ground. Was the bush holy? No. Was the ground holy? No. What made it holy? The presence of God. The presence of God. Where the presence of God is... There is holiness, there is righteousness, there is restoration. God invites us into his presence. We see that with Moses. In fact, God's whole mission through scripture was this. We were separated from him because of sin in the garden. And now he is on this mission to take us who are far from him and invite us into his presence. And can and, and, and can I tell you, If the bush was holy because of the presence of God, and the ground was holy because of the presence of God, what happens to us when we walk into the presence of God? We become righteous. We become holy. So he invites us in. Now, unlike Moses, who had to keep his distance, Jesus died on the cross for us and extends an invitation that says, you don't have to come close, but keep your distance. You can come right right up to me. You can sit on my lap. You can feel my arms wrapped around you. You can come face to face with who I am. But again, it's this picture of God inviting into his presence, saying, I want you to be close to me. We turn to the New Testament, Matthew 18, we have an encounter here with Jesus, and Jesus is giving instruction to the disciples. He's teaching the disciples, and he, he makes this statement to them. He says, "'Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on, uh, uh, on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven.'" For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And what we just say about the presence of God, it's holy. That when we gather in his name, two or three, community, relationship, that God is reflected in that, his presence is reflected in the midst of relationship. And this, this passage particularly is powerful because God is talking about spiritual warfare. Jesus is addressing the power that we have to wage spiritual warfare, to take our stand. And when we say, you know, what, whatever is, is bound, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever, we, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, it's not language that we're used to, but it's the language of freedom. It's the language of things that were shackled and bound and chained and captive, now being freed, and that the freedom that exists in heaven, God says, I want to make that freedom available on earth. But notice that it happens in the midst of community, where the presence of God is is present in community. And so Jesus says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. What's awesome about this is he no longer needs the bush. He doesn't have to show up in a bush anymore. He shows up in our lives. He shows up when we fellowship one with another. And he invites us into that kind of relationship. That's, that's what we are. That's what the church is. It's a group of people who come together because we have Jesus in common. Because he invites us into relationship. That people that we might not ever meet otherwise, that we come together and go, ah, we are family. We're connected. And God is in our midst and he is moving and he is healing and he is restoring and he is binding and he is loosing and he is breaking things and he is restoring things. That's powerful. That's powerful. But it all starts with a God who sees us and then invites us to come close to be with him Acts 242 through 47 I want us to see this progression that the God we see in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy is the same God we see in the Gospels. It's the same God that we see in the book of Acts. It's the same God. He's the same God with the same heart moving in this place today. Acts two forty two through 47 says this of this very first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread or pizza, (laughs) and to prayer. Can I stop there for a second? We we equate breaking with breaking bread to crackers and like communion, which is awesome. But but this really means that they they ate together. They were in each other's homes, they were breaking bread, they were sharing meals, they were in communion. They didn't just have communion. They were in communion. So they broke bread, and there was prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And listen to this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who added? The Lord. The Lord. The Lord. I get probably four, five, six emails a week that address the issue of church growth. And there's all of these experts who tell, tell me through email, hey, if you follow my program, your church will double in size. <laughs> the Lord added to their number. The Lord added to their number. Now, do we want to see our church grow? Yeah, but not because of some gimmick. Why did God grow the church? Here's why. Because people were being cared for in the midst of healthy, real, authentic relationship. And God sees that and he goes, all right, I'll bring more because I can trust them to you. I can trust them in this community because God actually cares about people because he chooses people. Because he wants to do a work in their lives and he wants to do it in the midst of a relationship and community. If I've always loved Acts chapter two, but it wasn't until I went to Israel that some things really started sinking in for me. Because I thought, Lord, where does this happen for us? And there's been for years all kinds of conversation about well, how can we become the book of Acts church? And so all kinds of models and approaches and systems and strategies that have emerged over the years and books that have been written. But the reality is this, the truth is this, the culture that we live in is different to the culture that they lived in. We don't live the same way. When it says that they gather together every day in each other's homes, it's because they lived within walking distance of each other's homes. If you walk through the old town of all parts of Jerusalem and you see these these buildings that are hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of years old and it's homes built on top of homes and they all lived in community, they still live in community. And so get, getting together was not difficult. It wasn't hard. It's because you were right there and I was right here. But now we live in this mobile community where we hop in our cars, and we might live miles away from each other. And that's okay. It's the world we live in. But here's what I know hasn't changed. The heart of God for His people to connect in relationship has not changed. The things that we see happening in Acts chapter 2, God still wants to see happening within the church. The other thing that really struck me when, when I got to visit Israel was When you read Scripture, we read compressed timelines of Scripture. We read these stories. I think a year and a half ago, or maybe about a year ago, I did a series called Along the Way, and I talked about these different stories in Scripture and where they happened and some of the cultural and even geographical context behind it. But I did not connect in my mind how much Jesus walked. When it says he went from this place to this place to that place, he walked there, and he walked with a group of people called the disciples. We know that Jesus ministered to and preached to thousands of people, but he invested his life into a group of 12. He spent his time with a group of 12, and they walked everywhere, and they camped, and they ate in people's homes, and they shared life, and they talked, and they, and they just were together. They were just together, and in the midst of this community, Jesus raises up a group of men, and by extension, by the way, there's a whole another layer of people, men and women, who walked with him. He raises them up, and they become the leaders of the church, and from there, the church explodes. We sang about it this morning, The Spirit Lit the flame. And the church of God, it was born. And we are here today because of it. Jesus spent time and invested in His life into a group of people. We've lost in the church, I believe, connection. I've said before, we so often live in proximity, but not necessarily in community. And I love Thrive Church. I love what God is doing here. And I love that there are so many places where we're connected as a church family. I love that when we say, hey, we're gonna have this event, we're gonna have a picnic, we're gonna go see a movie. Man, we show up. Because we enjoy being with each other. And I I think that's amazing. But I'm also aware of this, is that most of us, many of us, do not have the kinds of relationships where we could say, man, I have something in common with the people that I go to church with. That for many people, what they know of the people around them in church on Sunday morning in this context is maybe their name and what they do for a living. And it extends beyond just Thrive Church. That the church in the West, we've lost the deeper sense of connection that we see in the book of Acts, that we see lived out in the life of Jesus. And for almost two years now, a year and a half, since I got back from my first trip to Israel, the Lord has been, it's been heavy on my heart. Lord, how do we see people connected more intentionally? Some of you have been at Thrive Church, at Glendora Four Square Church, for a long time. Some of you have grown up in church, maybe not at this church, and 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 maybe some of you have that, you have those relationships, and I praise God for that. But I know this, for us to be a church that is on mission, a church that is reaching the lost, a church that is reaching people who are far from God, who God has chosen is calling to be close to Him, that there are some things that we need to adjust as a body to say, how do we become intentional and invitational, not to the people we already know, but to the people that we don't? I look around the room, and for some of you, you're new to Thrive Church. Maybe you're walking through that right now. I I know this. Going to church, a new church, that that research tells us is one of the most stressful things that people engage in. It is stressful to go to a new church, yet people will still show up because there's a longing and a call that God has calling them to relationship. I know that over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of visitors at our church. We've had a lot of people come and visit. We've had people come and visit once or twice or even come for a month. And here's what I hear about it. Can we just be honest? Can I just be honest with you about what I see happening in our church? We are so friendly. We, I hear all the time people tell me, Pastor, I came to church and I was greeted by 20 people before I got to the front door. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, maybe we're too friendly. But I would rather that than not. We're super friendly. We, we worship God, we preach the word, but but here's what I've become aware of. Once you're here, that next step of getting connected in relationship is not just difficult, it's unclear. That we don't have clear pathways to how to get connected. Which, again, for those of us who've been around for a while, we're like, well, I'm connected. Awesome. But we have to frame our view to say, God, you've called us to be in Glendora to make an impact, to reach people who don't know you, to bring them close to you, and to walk in relationship. The, book in, the church in the book of Acts, this happened overnight. There was, a, there was a small group in an upper room on one day, and the next day there were thousands. Thousands. You talk about a logistics nightmare. (laughs) Yet there were some things built into their culture that just allowed it to happen. And they were able to structure and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to people's homes and we're going to hang out. And I was like, whoa, hey, look at that. It worked. And God kept adding to their number. So where am I going with this? You're like, get to the point. I I want us to understand where this is coming from. There's some things that we're going to do in 2020 that I believe God has put on, our, on my heart, on our pastoral team, and on our leadership to help create some pathways towards connection, towards deeper relationships. First thing I want to talk about, and you have, by the way, in front of you, in the seat back pocket in front of you. That is, that is fun to say. And then I want to say, and the exits are located to the back and to the side, um, <laughs> make sure your tray table is up. Um, we have a save the date. There's some things coming up. This is not everything we're doing this year, but this is kind of the, the big rocks, if you will. I know some of you are the planners and you're like, I need to get everything in my calendar so I can plan my vacation. And, right, uh, We've got our camp dates. There's a women's conference coming up. There's a men's camp. But there's a couple of dates I want to make you aware of. Uh, one of the things we introduce here at Thrive Church is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Some of you have been through one or both of these classes. Some of you might be thinking, emotionally healthy? I don't want to talk about emotions. Just give me the facts. <laughs> but he, but here's, here's what we're discovering, is that Our emotions affect how we follow Jesus. Pete Scazzera, who wrote the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says this, Jesus may may be in my heart, but grandpa's in my bones. (laughs) And so much of what we live out is learned behavior. It's things that's part of our brokenness. And that God wants to heal those places in our hearts. And so emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships, we believe are the two uh, two of the primary ways that God wants to walk people into wholeness in their the relationship with Him and relationship with other people. Uh, we're offering EHS and EHR uh, coming up. Uh, we, we did EHR back in the fall, and we decided that we, we can't wait till the fall to have EHR and be like, hey, you've got to wait. Hey, we have a class. It could, could affect your marriage. It can affect your relationships. You've got to wait six months. It's, it's just too long, and so we're going to offer both at the same time. EHS is going to be on a Sunday night starting March 1st, and then EHR will be on Wednesday night, nights starting March 3rd. So I'm not saying sign up for both or do both. Pick one of those. If you've not done EHS yet, the, the spirituality course, please pray, please consider being a part of it. I read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality about seven, eight years ago, and, and outside of the Word of God, it has been one of the most influential, life-changing books uh, that I've ever encountered. EHR, the relationships course, Megan and I would attest to this, and I know there are others, has equipped us with some tools in our relationship that we now use daily. 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 And having taken the course, I realized this, I need to take it again, because the first time you kind of get the, you're like, oh, okay, I kind of get the idea, and then you start pressing in deeper. If you've not taken these, please, please, please sign up for one of those. We'd love to have you be a part of that. All right, brings me to, to my next point, connect groups. We're introducing something brand new this year called Connect Groups. We've tried some different things in the past. We tried Thrive Groups, which were essentially home groups, which have been around church for a while. they have been cell groups, life groups, whatever group, fill in the blank, right? Uh, but, but here's the thing about those groups is they always have been tied to a time and a location, much of what we do as a church is come to this place at this time to connect with other people. But I don't know about your life, but we've got a lot going on. We have five kids that live in our house. We've got sports, we've got activities, we've got all kinds of things happening and so we're realizing more and more in the, in the society that we live in, in the culture that we live in, trying to get everyone, finding a time that works for everyone is next to impossible. It's next to impossible. And so what we started thinking is this, what if we disconnected connection from time and location and just made it about relationship? And so connect groups was really born out of this here's what connect groups are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through just kind of the vision for what connect, connect groups would be. Connect groups are going to be groups of uh, five people. We're going to have men connecting with men and women connecting with women to keep it appropriate. And the goal of these connect groups is just to, to grow in f- fellowship, in relationship, to get to know each other, one of the things we hear in the church a lot, in a lot of the research, and a lot of the surveys that are coming out of church, not people who don't know Jesus, people who do, is I feel lonely and disconnected. This is inside of the church. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're like, yeah, I've been coming to this church for a while. I don't really know anyone, and no one really knows me. So the goal is to have a small group of people who connect with intention, who connect regularly for fellowship, who connect to pray, who connect to encourage each other, who connect to share with each other. The Lectio journals are a great way where our groups will be able to say, hey, what are you reading? We have this incredible invention called a cell phone, and we have group messaging. So I might not live Footsteps away from where you live, but I can definitely communicate a lot easier. So, connect groups the goal would be that they would have a, a group message set up where connect groups would encourage each other and talk about what God is doing in their lives. Hey, this is what I, I read in the word today. Hey, here's what's going on. Hey, I have a job interview today. Would you be praying for me? That there would be encouragement sharing with each other, that there would be growth, a place to grow. And that there would be accountability. I put accountability last, especially for the men in the room. All all growing up, especially my adult life, it seems like most connection that's geared towards men is just accountability. I just need accountability. just need some guys just kind of kicking me in the rear end. And then it doesn't work. And it doesn't work because there's no connection, fellowship, encouragement, sharing, and growth. In other words we don't trust each other. We don't know each other and it's true for ladies as well. And so the goal with connect groups would be that we would grow deeper together so that we can grow deeper with the Lord. And so we disconnect it from time and location that these connect groups would then meet whenever you want to meet. Once every couple of weeks grab coffee. Go to the driving range, hit a bucket of balls, go do an activity together. But now we start doing life together and we start sharing with each other and we start pressing in and saying, Lord, what are you doing in our midst? All right, me I mean, talk through some practical things. Uh, what connect groups are not? Connect groups are not a place for one person to be the resident expert and tell everyone else what they should do. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You share your heart and then you've got like four solutions. Connect groups are a place where we want to actively listen, not just share our opinion. Connect group is not for us to, a place for us to promote our own agenda. A connect group is, uh, is designed to be a place of confidentiality. It's not a place where we hear something from someone and then go share it with other people. In fact, I would say confidentiality will make or break connect groups at Thrive Church. That what we share, even for those who will be connect group leaders, and I'll talk about what that means here in a minute, I'm even telling our connect group leaders that you do not even share things with me as a pastor unless someone's asked you to share it. That what you share in that context stays in that context. It stays there so that that group can grow deeper and, and grow that trust with one another. Do you notice that in this world today, we don't trust each other a whole lot? There's not a whole lot of trust happening in the world. And so connect groups will be a place where they're confidentially, so we don't just share everything and anything that comes in. All right, a couple of things that I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can't hang out with other people. It's not a click. Um, You might ask, "Well, I already have a group of people that I'm I connect with. Can we just be a connect group?" And and the answer is no. And here's why: We want to create clear on ramps. And as a pastor and as leadership, we've got to know where those on ramps are. And so the goal is not to control or dictate. It's to create guardrails. And to create accountability, our connect group leaders will go through training on how to lead people. It becomes a, by the way, a leadership development pipeline. How to shepherd people. I want to train other people how to shepherd people. We believe out of this that we'll raise up pastors and missionaries that we'll get to send to to, to all over the world. And so you can still hang out with whoever you hang out. If you connect with a group of people, awesome. Keep connecting with them. But at this stage, what we want to do is form these groups in such a way that we, we, we're aware of what groups are existing. We don't want all of these groups just to fill up right away. We want to leave rooms and space for people to, to join as they come to Thrive Church. Uh, is there a time limit? Is it you know, like we've done Thrive Groups before and we would say, okay, we're going to do Thrive Groups for four months and then stop. Well, that doesn't work because at four months, you're just kind of building momentum, right? And you're like, hey, we're just getting to know each other. Now we're going to stop. No, they're not going to stop. They're just going to continue. And eventually what we're hoping will happen is that in each, in each connect group that leaders will be raised up who will then lead new connect groups but still stay connected to their original group. So eventually you, you could be connected to two groups. And we just start growing out that way. But with the intent of pressing into a deeper relationship with each other. We're Tracking we doing all right? So how do we join? How can you join a connect group? There's, I'm glad you asked. Uh, There's three (laughs) ways. Uh, You'll notice that the connect cards have been redesigned and on the connect card it says, uh, uh, my next step or next steps, I would like to. And one of the things that's there is connect groups. You'll see, if you want to know what our vision is as a church, those next steps is our vision. No, grow, serve, go. First is this. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. And once you give your life to Jesus, we'd love for you to get baptized in water. And I want to just reiterate that. If you've not been baptized in water, we have a baptism service coming up, and we'd love for you to get baptized in water. And you can check that on that box. The next thing is you've got to get connected in relationship with people. And so you can check that box on, on that card, and then you can turn it in. Uh, at the information center, or you can go online to our website at thriveblendora.org or the app. And there's a place on, on, on the app that you can sign up to be a part of a connect group. So those are the ways that you can sign up to get connected. And what will happen is, is that one of our connect group leaders will reach out to you. We're, we're praying about, we're, being very con- we're praying for discernment on how how and where to connect people. Uh, are connect groups close, Like, in other words, once I'm in, can I get out? Yes. <laughs> like we get weird, don't we? <sighs> hey, if your group doesn't click, it's okay. And that's part of the reason we have a connect group leader, to help shepherd that. I don't feel like this, I don't feel like I'm gelling. Okay, you're free to jump out and maybe connect with another group. Because, you know, Psalm 23, Jesus Jesus wants to lead us into green pastures and and by still waters. That leading part is really key. And so the hope here is to be able to connect people and lead people into thriving relationship, into thriving relationship. So if you fill out that form, uh, one of the leaders will connect with you and initiate that and our hope is that as we get this, the wheels turning with this, as new people come to church, as new people, we've had over, a, over 200 visitors over the last year and a half. We've had over 200 visitors in the last year and a half. But you'll hear at our annual meeting, our average attendance has actually declined a little bit over last year. And to me as a pastor that says, okay, something's not clicking something's not clicking. God's bringing people, but we've got to find that next step, and, and what we want to do is refine that process. I want to encourage you, if you have questions, you, and I'm sure there's lots of questions, will you write that on a connect card, and just put make sure to put your name on it, and I'll, I'll reach out to you, and I'm happy to talk about any questions that you might have. I believe that as we press into this, the Lord's going to make some incredible connections with people because by the bible says jesus says that where two or three are gathered that he is in the midst that he's moving i'll finish with this and then it's time for pizza i've gone a little bit over the research in america is finding this when it comes to people coming to church for the first time used to be when when i was first a pastor if someone came to church three or four sundays in a row it was a good chance they they were going to stick they were going to stay that's shifted. That's, that's old information. The research now says this, that if someone comes to a church for the first time, and if they, if they stick it out for the first six months, if by the six-month mark, they are not able to say, hey, I have one friend in that church, just one, one person who knows something other than my name, they won't stay, that they'll move on. It continues, it says that by the end of one year, if that number doesn't go from one to three, if that person can't say, hey, I'm connected to at least three people in the life of this church who know something other than just my name, who we've gone out for coffee or we've connected, at the end of a year, they probably won't stay. Which means this, we go from a four-week window where we say, hey, is someone gonna be a part of this church to one year? And as pastors and as your leadership, we take that seriously. That means that we need to shepherd people, especially in that year. First time visitors, new people to the faith, we have to shepherd them within that year to say, hey, are we helping usher in those relationships? But can I tell you, we can't do it alone. We need to help create that environment. Connect groups will not solve all of those things. We believe it's an instrumental way but it's about us as a church posturing ourselves to say, Lord, we want to have a greater impact in this community. We want to see all of these chairs filled up. We want to go to two services and three services. As the Lord adds to the number daily, those who are being saved, not because of our smarts, but because of his faithfulness. Amen? Yeah. Let's stand together. I want to give you an opportunity. I'm going to pray in just a minute. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to fill that card out or to fill it out online. Uh, If you have questions, feel free to ask those questions, write it on a connect card, and we'll follow up with you. But my prayer this year is that every one of us will get connected in a deeper way than we've ever been before and watch God move in our midst. Thank you, God, for your vision for us for this year. And Lord, I thank you that as we've seen in your word this morning, it's not a whole lot different to what it was 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. You are the same God. You're relational, you're invitational, and that you're moving in the midst of your people. And so we ask that that would be true of us here at Thrive Church. I pray, Lord, for every person that is in this room, every person who is a part of this congregation, God, that you would take us to new depths in our relationship with you, that we would have a greater revelation of who you are. And Lord, I pray for everyone who is coming all of those, Lord, who you've called, who are not here yet, Lord, I pray that you would prepare us as a congregation to receive them well, not just to be friendly, but to invite them into deeper relationship with you and with each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.